The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a guest that you, um, my loyal listeners, will remember, and those of you who weren't listening back then can always go to the archives. Um, She was good enough to, to bring back for a second treat. And um, excitingly, it's with the, her second book that just came out, actually, uh, this week. So um, her name is Carol Brody Fleet, and her the, the book that uh, she was talking about when she was on the first time was Widows Wear Stilettos. And today, she is taking that further. And, and Carol, I want to you know I, I want you to tell us. Uh, uh, what that road was like from the first book to the next and, and so on. Um, today's book, the new book, is called Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. And the today's show is when happily ever after ends too soon, and it is unbelievable and really sad, of course, um, how many women and men find themselves, you know, it's hard enough to find someone you want to spend your life with, and then when you do, if you haven't gotten derailed by divorce <laughs> and you're still in love, uh, in a way the coolest cut of all is to have that husband or wife taken from you by death. And so Carol has um, made it her passion to, to help people in these circumstances, men and women, um, who have found themselves to be uh, widows or widowers, many of them um, way too young, way too short, just like Carol. And um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Doctor. It's so great to be back with you. Well, now, you know, I, I, of course I'm going to want you to, you know, because there are, I'm sure, lots of people on who listening who didn't hear you on the first show, um, of course, I want you to to do a recap about your own experience, but then also, if you could, I mean, you've developed this into a cottage industry, <laughs> and, and, you know, I was thinking today before the show that, I mean, I don't know, uh, I, I'm trying, I hope this isn't insensitive, and I, you probably, you may have thought of this, I presume you've thought, thought of this yourself, but um, it almost seems as though this was your destiny, in a sense, to lose your husband so that you can help so many other people um, through your books and your talks and your media appearances who are going through the same thing. Like, have you thought that, I mean, of course it was horrendous, it was an incredible tragedy, but have you thought that maybe this is, was meant to be so that you could follow this life path? 
Well, I, I do believe that everything happens for a reason, and just because we don't understand the reason today doesn't mean that the reason isn't revealed to us at some point. And uh, I, I can understand why you would say, you know, I hope this doesn't sound insensitive, and, and people should, really, I, I know Dr. Carroll for a long time, she's not being insensitive. Um, what really this is, is carrying on the wishes of a dying man which mm-hmm. to me is a fantastic thing to do. Uh, shortly before Mike died, and with the experience that we'd been through in the two years that he battled ALS, which is more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease, um, he had a lot of time to think, obviously. And shortly before he died, he said, you've got to find a way to take this experience and use it to the good by helping others. He didn't want to be remembered for an illness, and he didn't want our lives to be marred by this huge black cloud that had settled in over our house and over our lives. And he wanted to find a way that, that we could turn it around in a positive way. Well, at that point, I, I'm losing my husband. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm in, in sorrow. And I'm not thinking about beyond Mike's death. I'm only thinking about keeping him here. So really, I just kind of let that comment kind of pass for a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. it, and then it did come back, and I thought, you know, there is, there, there is a way to help other people that are going through the pain and the challenge of spousal loss, having no idea what it was going to turn into. But I know that when I sought support, I couldn't find what I needed. And basically, Widows Where Stiletto started as a result of everything that I was looking for and couldn't find. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you, well, tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, you know, of course, you had, I mean, it's interesting, in a sense, you had two years. Do you think, looking back, that having those two years of going through his illness um, made it easier or harder for you to ultimately become a widow? That is, that's a question that I get a lot. Uh, a lot of long-term caregivers get that a lot. A lot of people in that situation uh, where, where you know that death is imminent, but it's not happening right away, they, we hear things like, well, at least you had time to prepare. There is no way to prepare for that magnitude of loss. It's impossible. The only way that you can possibly be prepared is with paperwork. And with some of the practicality, you know where everything is. You have, you know, affairs in order. That's the only thing you can prepare is practically. Emotionally, there is no preparation. I don't like to say, you know, this was so much harder uh, than, uh, for instance, somebody who loses their spouse very suddenly or very unexpectedly. Because to me, that's trivializing somebody else's loss. It's different. It, it's different than, than, the, than the person who becomes widowed uh, by the end of a day. And we've got, you know, obviously thousands of, of those people as well. Um, I will never say it has its advantages either. People okay. see it that way. But mm-hmm. when you're in that place and in that moment, you don't see any kind of uh, anything being advantageous. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's merely different. The experiences are different and the concerns are different than somebody who lost their, their spouse all of a sudden. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, it is hard to say really which is be- because I mean, in a sense, um, although yes, you can prepare in those logistical ways that you were mentioning. Um, in a sense, those two years, it's such a such a long. I mean, every day you're grieving. You're uh, even if it didn't seem like he was going to die tomorrow or that day, you're living with the pain of knowing that it's coming. That's that's right. I mean, and aside from that that sword hanging over your head, with this illness in particular, which for those who are not familiar with Lou Gehrig's disease, it is a neuromuscular disease. It comes under the umbrella of muscular dystrophy. To put that in English, <laughs> it means that you die by inches. It means that today is going to be your best day because tomorrow you're going to be a little bit worse in some, mm. in some manner of speaking. You're not going to be able to open a jar or dress yourself or feed yourself eventually you will not be able to speak, or at least you will not be understood if you try. It is such a heinous, evil process. And what makes it even worse is nothing happens to the patient's brain. You remain 100% sharp and in the moment. You can't, but you cannot communicate. And from a physical standpoint, you become imprisoned in your own body. And with most ALS patients, as was the case with Mike, the illness will finally attack the respiratory system. Um, of, of many ALS patients uh, die as a result of falling because their, their legs are so weak and they fall and they hit their head. But most of the time, it is a respiratory uh, collapse that will claim the life of the patient. And the average uh, prognosis from diagnosis to death is two to five years. And unfortunately, with Mike, it was on the faster end. We lost him just over two years from diagnosis. So absolutely, you are in a place of sorrow and mourning, and then you're also in survival mode because, remember, you know, in our household, um, I became the sole breadwinner, and our daughter at the time that Mike was diagnosed, she was nine years old. Now, nine-year-olds are pretty busy. So there was that kind of, you know, need to keep normalcy in the house as much as humanly possible. So while you realize that you are losing your loved one by inches, at the same time, your focus is on getting through the day and surviving and making things comfortable and as peaceful as possible. Yes. And, you know, um, for as long as he was at home and dying by inches, he became more and more dependent upon you. And then when he was gone, I mean, it's sort of an, a sad paradox that all of a sudden, you know, as he's, as he's more dependent upon you, then, then when he finally dies or, um, you know, then he's, he's not there at a time when that was taking up so much of, I don't mean just time, but where you felt like you were, you were contributing to him in a way. Do, do you know what I mean? That is such a huge point. Um, and we discuss this in the new book. It's the plurality of loss. In the situation like this, you don't just lose the person, you lose the purpose. That, an illness like that, and it doesn't have to be this particular illness, any illness like this, it governs every facet of your life, from whether you leave the house to whether you have cheeseburgers on Sunday. It dictates every move you make and every, and every thought you have. And... When, you are, when you're governed by that kind of regimen, and then all of a sudden, even though it's not suddenly, but all of a sudden, it's gone. And you feel like the days are 48 hours long instead of 24. You, you're like, what do I do with myself? 
because mm-hmm. you forget what life was like when illness wasn't standing in your living room with a clipboard saying, you're, now you do this and now you do that. No, you, you can't go to the market because you can't leave them alone. And you, it, it's, it, that is a, a, par- a bad paradox because nobody wants this kind of situation in their home and nobody deserves it. But once it's gone, you are left kind of adrift in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Well, um, that when when was that that you were? When did the first book come out? The first book, Widows Were Stilettos, released in January of two thousand nine, and it's it's still it's we we are so lucky to have the kind of support we have. It, it's still on the bestseller list. It is uh, it, it's still a, a wonderful tool for uh, for widows everywhere. Yes, and. Um and we're, I'm going to want to talk about uh, how you, what, what you did um, after that book came out. I know that you, you run camps for widows and so on. Um, is, it, is, it, is it camps for just widows, wi- females, or is it camps for widowers? I mean, do you do like a matchmaking? <laughs> no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Well, first of all, um, Camp Widow is, uh, was incepted by it and is uh, put on by the Soaring Spirits Lost Foundation which is headed up by my good friend, Michelle Neff Hernandez. And uh, they are the ones that incepted the, these events. They are they're the original and one-of-a-kind in the, in the country. And this year, in fact, we expanded to the East Coast. And so now we are uh, putting on this camp on the West Coast in San Diego, California. And this year we were on the East Coast in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Wow. Well, we will talk more about that. My guest is Carol Brody Fleet. Her new book is called Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. So stay tuned. We'll uh, be back with Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about when happily ever after ends too soon with my guest, Carol Brody Fleet. Her new book, just out this week, is called um, Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. And this is for men and women who have lost their spouse. I think you, you try to make that clear, don't you, that it's not just for female Widows. Yeah, I do. I do try to make that clear because I know that that, that widows wear stilettos sounds like you know girls only, and I, we're thrilled that we've got several hundred uh, widowers in our membership. Uh, the reason that it sounds kind of women exclusive is that I felt as an author that I had the potential to offend widowers if I tried to write from a widower perspective or mm. look at a widower and say, "Well, I know how you feel." or I understand where you're, where you're at, because I don't. I'm not a man. And we all know that men's reactions to, to things are different, certainly to trauma. We know that society views and treats widowers differently than they treat widows. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt that it would have been presumptuous for me to say, oh, yeah, buddy, I get that. Now, all of that said, obviously much, if not most, of what I talk about and write about certainly applies to widowers. We do have a lot of common denominators, but I didn't want a man to ever look at me and say, what do you know? What are you talking mm-hmm, about? Mm-hmm. So that's why it sounds kind of female-centric, but really we welcome anyone and everyone. And so, okay, so take us on the journey from your first book to this one. What have you been, I mean, I think you were, I remember from uh, from our first interview and from talking with you then, You, I think you were a little surprised just how much of a positive reaction there was, how much of a need you were feeling. I, I, I was happily shocked. Uh, it, it was wonderful because what I tried to do uh, with the first book, like I said earlier, is talk about the things that nobody else was talking about and to answer the questions that most widows, myself included, were afraid to ask because, unfortunately, Many widowed are surrounded by people who are not necessarily supportive or even positive, and they will hazard opinions and insights and observations. Uh, most of these people are not widowed, by the way. And the widowed, sadly, takes these opinions as, as gospel. When somebody says, well, you shouldn't date or you should be dating sooner or wearing your wedding rings is in bad taste or why would you take your rings off? Have you forgotten them already? And you get enough of that and you start to question yourself. So if you have a question about, you know, is it okay to take off my rings or is it okay to date again or, you know, something where maybe they've been criticized, you just shut up and you suffer silently. Well, I can't stand that. I can't stand silence. And I can't stand the thought of people suffering because they're afraid of being criticized or, or derided or, or run down at a time when, when you need to be lifted up and encouraged and supported. So 
we, we I, I, I decided, you know, let's, let's talk about the tough subjects. Let's talk about the things that I know are going through your mind because they certainly uh-huh. were going through mine. And that was the, the etiology of the first book. The second book, happily, was able to take those concepts even further. By answering questions that people gave to either wrote into you yes. on your website or, or asked you at seminars. Yes, we get thousands of letters every month, uh, and we have uh, since the website went live in 2006. And these questions range from the, the very common uh, what do I do with myself now? Why do I still feel sad? I'm angry. I'm quiet. I don't know who I am. These are all very common issues. To the not-so-common issues, uh, I'm in a fight with my husband's estate with his mistress. I found out my husband died from his mistress. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. That is, tell us about that. What, what are some of the stories about that? Uh, they're all terrible. They, you see, you know, when, when you look at a widow, everybody assumes that everything was perfect and happy and everybody was in love. And that's the case much of the time. But a lot of the time it isn't. And you have these situations where not only are you dealing with the loss of a spouse, but now you're dealing with betrayal. And it's betrayal that you cannot directly confront because that person is not here to confront. And that can be frustrating too. And then in that particular situation, there's also uh, a lot of embarrassment. You know, I, you feel stupid. You feel a fool. You feel like the life you were living was a lie. And what is very important to convey is a person in that situation has nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, she did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. You know, that they, so you, you need to give them the power back and help them find their voice. So there, there's that issue. Uh, what of the people who were divorced? And one of the spouses passes away, and the survivor is shocked by the fact that they feel grief. They're like, I divorced this person. Why am I grieving? You know, that's an issue that needs to be deal, uh, dealt with. Yes, um, yes. So you do have these seemingly uncommon scenarios that are sadly more common than anyone realizes, and they needed to be addressed as well. Yes. Um <laughs> Yes, I'm imagining, you know, the, the mistress, the husband who died uh, having sex with the mistress, having a heart attack, and then the mistress having to, uh, I, how, I mean, but in these circumstances, when you've had a chance to talk with the wife, the widow, mm-hmm. um, I, does she sort of wonder why was it that it was the, why was she told by the mistress, I mean, putting aside the fact that she didn't know that he had a mistress, but why was she told by the mistress instead of, let's say, uh, the emergency room doctor or, you know, wherever it was that he died? I've seen, oh, I've seen, I've seen both, uh, both cases. I've seen, I, I've seen cases where the police, you know, knocked on the door. And, of course, you know, they, they've got to disclose what they found and, you know, how it was. Mm. And, then I, and then I've seen situations where the mistress was the one who picked up the phone or landed on the doorstep. And, you know, the, the important thing to remember is, is obviously this has happened more than once. We <laughs> didn't just get one letter and stick it in the book. This, is, this has happened, you know, a number of times where I've, se- I've seen these letters and there was uh, extramarital affairs going on uh, or divorce going on or, uh, you know, a, a situation where the marriage was not ideal. Yes, and when, when it's divorce... Um you know, or, or separation, 
of course, there's, there's also all of this guilt. I mean, you may have been angry at your spouse mm-hmm. or be, you know, happy that you decided to divorce him, but then when he dies and there's sort of no going back, I mean, you know, sometimes people think even after divorce, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, if a uh, single life isn't as great as I thought it would be, then maybe I could always go back. Yeah, yeah, and, should, yeah uh, and right, this, right. Just in general, mourning, as Freud wrote about, <laughs> mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mm-hmm. um, is always, whether it's for a spouse or for a parent or whoever, um, the more ambivalent that relationship is, you know, the more... Um, um, complicated it is, the more there's positives and negatives, the harder it is to grieve, the harder it is to get over the mourning period because there are so many uh, self-recriminations uh, and guilt and, and un- unfinished anger, unexpressed anger, and just all of these emotions that, on top of the grief that just make it that much harder to resolve. Exactly. And, you know, we, we call that pancake tragedy when you've got it's not just the death itself. You've got several layers of tragedy going on, whether it's uh, with, with myself, it was uh, separate events that happened within a very short period of time, or you've got a situation like this where on top of losing your spouse, now you, you have lost the life that you built, the life that you thought you were leading. Then in divorce, again, here comes our old, our old nemesis guilt because, you know, the, there, maybe I should have tried harder to keep the marriage together, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, right. But even, even if, you know, the marriage was absolutely irreparable and in complete disarray and divorce is the best thing in the world for everybody, so many uh, divorced widows, and I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not, are surprised by the level of grief that they feel. And we encourage them to, that it's, you know, it's okay to feel that grief. It is okay because at one time you had a life together. At one time you built something together with this person. You had you might have had children with them. You might have had a business with them. But it, regardless, you had a day-to-day life with that person and now it's 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 really gone. It's not just divorce where you know that they're kind of in the background. Right. It's, and if you have children, gone. they're kind of still there, you right. know, some um, yes, you know, it, it, and then also whether it was an idyllic marriage or whether there was a divorce or whatever it was, when someone dies and whatever the relationship is, when someone dies, um, there's a kind of idealism that is part of the grieving process too, that, that sometimes you think, well, um, you know, you build the person up in your mind now that he's no longer there or she's no longer there. Oh, my gosh, yes. That is what we call the ghost of spouse past. And I've, and it happens, it's very common, where death elevates that person to sainthood. And that it is wonderful and it is okay and necessary to keep the warm memories alive. Absolutely necessary. I get to do it every day. And it's a wonderful thing. But I'm also very realistic about Mike Fleet, the person. And just as I will tell you what a fantastic and great man he was and the legacies of love and service that he left behind, I can list his shortcomings, too. And believe me, if he were here, he'd do the exact same thing to me. Um, (laughs) You know, you you have to keep it realistic. Otherwise, 
if that time comes in your life that you choose, hold on to that word, choose, to seek companionship and love, once again, how is that new person ever going to, quote, measure up if you're standing there with a yardstick playing comparisons? That's not fair. You know, I don't seek out controversy because I'm not good at it. I don't like confrontation because I'm not good at that either. But what I'm about to say is a little bit controversial. Yes, most of our, most of the time, when we're talking about our late spouses, they were wonderful and they were awesome and they were great. But we also have to realize that a new person, somebody new coming into our lives, also brings wonderful and great things to the table that, Maybe our spouses didn't. And that, you know, our, our late spouses also had faults that maybe a new person doesn't have. We need to judge people on their merits, not based on somebody in our past that they can't measure up to. Yes. Well, we need to take another break. We're talking about When Happily Ever After Ends Too Soon with my guest, Carol Brody Fleet. Her new book is Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With my guest, Carol Brody Fleet, her book, her new book, out this week, is Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. Now, during the break, I was asking her, I was trying to remember whether she was, when we, when I interviewed her on the show before, whether she was already 
remarried or whether the man in her life was just a boyfriend. And we couldn't figure that out. But in any case, she is married to him now. And uh, <laughs> I asked her to tell that story because I think it's inspirational. You know, life doesn't have to end after uh, a spouse dies. So could you share uh, something about that, how you met him, how you felt when you... I remember you talking about that, that it was... It was, um, you know, feeling, is it okay to love somebody else or feeling, are you, are you, um, uh, you know, being uh, disrespectful or, or being, uh, betraying your spouse by having, going out with somebody else? And that is such a huge hot button issue is that, um, when your spouse dies and the attitude comes in, well, I've caught my limit, that's it for me. Now, Mike was so worried that I would not find love again that he actually went behind my back to my mother and said, you've got to make sure that she doesn't jump in the grave with me. She's got to go on. She's got to find love again. And when he brought this up to me, I just looked at him and I said, can I take some time off first? Because Mm -hmm. that's really not the first thing on your mind. But I did do a lot of dating um, in the nine years between the time I became widowed and the time that I remarried. And I waited you know, until I felt ready. And that, you know, when are you ready to date again? That is entirely up to you. We also discussed that at length in the book. But uh, when I went back into the dating world, I felt that I was sufficiently healed to the point that I could let potential new love and another life into my heart. It is not, it is not disrespecting or dishonoring the memory of your beloved the heart has an infinite capacity to love. If it didn't, we'd all have one child, and that's it. Which Actually, I, I only have one biological child. But um, obviously, the heart expands to love. You know, with my, my new husband, I guess he's not very new anymore because it's been almost three years, but my new husband gave me a, a phenomenal gift, and that was the gift of another daughter. And all I wanted my whole life was two girls, and he finally gave me this beautiful, wonderful, fantastic gift. And those two girls are as close as any sisters could possibly be. Um, and, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people are afraid of losing again. I live with that fear every day. I don't think that you could go through widowhood and not be afraid of losing again. But I was more afraid of missing out on the life that I'm leading now. And I know that I am loving the life that I have now, but at the same time, I, I treasure the life that I had with Mike, and I always will. That will never go away. But that life came to an end on December 19, 2000. And no matter how much I mourn or if I choose to stay in a place of sorrow, that life, I, I can't have it again. So it was incumbent on my on me to make the choice to start healing and moving forward and that was also the message i wanted to send to kendall who was 11 years old my daughter was 11 years old when daddy died now our children watch us the le- the most of the important lessons they learn are caught they're not taught and i knew she was watching me what lessons did i want her to learn what did i want to teach what messages did i want to send and i wanted her to realize that we could experience some of the deepest and darkest grief that we'll ever know and we can still move forward and continue to live because we're still here as long as we're here we're entitled to that and that life if you choose it 
can include love. And that was the choice that I made. And boy, am I glad I did. Well, you know, um, did you, have, you haven't, if you would like to tell us how you met your current husband, because my question would be, and I'm sure a lot of people probably ask you this question, um, did you have the feeling when you met him that he was sent to you by Mike, by your first husband? Um, no, actually, I had the feeling that God has a sense of humor because my husband, when I, at the time that I met him, lived in England. He is British. And, yes, ladies, he's got the accent. Oh, yeah. And he, he was here on business, and we met very briefly. I like to joke that I picked him up in a bar. Um, and um, I, I'm, I was just thinking, you know, really, Seriously? God? Were you in a bar? Well, yes, but I was waiting for a table in the restaurant. <laughs> and as was he, and I was waiting for my girlfriend to show up, and, you know, we were just talking in passing, and, you know, he, for, to begin with, he's hot. Okay, let's just say. And then you know, he opens his mouth and that accent comes out. And I don't even remember what he said, you know, <laughs> because it, it all comes out in Brit speak. And who cares what he's saying? It sounds awesome. <laughs> and he lived in England. And I thought, well, that's great. He's intelligent. He's gorgeous. He's, he's, got, the pack, he's got the whole package. And he lives 6,000 miles away. So, and, you know, you have to understand that there, again, a lot of dating <laughs> going on over a lot of years and without a lot of success. A lot of funny stories, but not much success. So, um, it, it really, it, to me, it did not have any potential to go anywhere. And that's about the time that the universe proved me wrong. And we started emailing each other, and, uh, and then about a month and a half later, the Southern California wildfires happened. And he heard about it on the BBC, and he called here, and he was worried and concerned, and I had to travel for business, and he said, don't you worry, I'm going to check on Kendall, and I just remember thinking, this guy's special, he's Hmm. different, and I need to pay attention to him, and I don't even know where this is going to go, but I've got to find out, I've got to follow my gut on this. And um, here I am, and it, it's been it's been such a, a wonderful so what happened? journey. <laughs> so who? Well, obviously you didn't move to England. So no, how did no, he... I I made that clear. Well, you know, my my husband is uh, he's very British, but didn't have a lot of use for England because he loves hot weather. He. He swears that he would, now these are his words, that he was switched at birth and somewhere there's a bloke sitting on a beach who loves sheep and cows and constant rain and the wind blowing a gale. His words, okay. not mine. So okay. my mother teases that he says he's in love with me, but he's really in love with California. <laughs> so he was, he was the one, because I would never ask somebody to give up everything, including right. their country. But he was the one who said, you know, I, w- I will move to you. And um, he uh, planned and executed a very elaborate pro- uh, proposal uh, in 2008, and which took him six months to coordinate, and which I loved, well, what women wouldn't. And, uh, and then we were married in September of 2009. Okay, but you cannot say that and then not say what the proposal was. Oh. <laughs> Well, there is a there's a beautiful restaurant, a, a very fine dining restaurant in uh, Newport Beach, California, and we've been friends with the establishment there for over 20 years. 
And he got with the general manager, who's a dear friend, and, uh, and planned the proposal, and it happened on New Year's Eve. And what he had planned, what they had planned, was a scavenger hunt, really. It was a series of notes planted around the restaurant. And it all culminated with uh, the ring being hidden in one of the Christmas trees that was on display in the restaurant. Oh. And, oh my God! Yes, and once I found the the ring, and all of that happened, and, and the last note asked if I would do him the honor of becoming his wife. Oh uh, wow! You know, out came the champagne, and he had had special labels with our pictures on them, uh, on the champagne bottles. Uh, all of the customers knew what, were, what was going on. The entire staff was following me around on this scavenger hunt, and oh. and then he came out with gifts for the staff with uh, a Tiffany bracelet for the manager and uh, wine stoppers for the bartenders and just just beautiful gifts. And then he gave gifts to my mother and my daughter who were also there and had no idea. He didn't trust oh my that God. they could keep a secret. So it was very elaborate and very beautiful, and we, we love reliving that that night. That was, it was just so much, so, so wonderful. And that really is a fairy tale. It, it, it is. It is when everybody says, "Oh, Prince Charming," because he's British. No, he's just Prince Charming. Period. <laughs> he really is. Oh, okay. it's just it's, it's um, it's just like it's you and Kate Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he he will appreciate that comparison. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> well, but, let's see. We um, we're probably going to be hearing the music any minute now. Mm-hmm. So um, I want you to think about what it is that in the last segment that um, you think are the most, or some of the most, I mean, I know, <laughs> condense your book in uh, 10, 12 minutes, oh, um, but what some of the things are that we haven't talked about that you think are really important for widows and widowers uh, to know. Okay. And um, my guest, let me tell you again, her first book um, and you can look through the archives of this show, and you can find our interview, which we're thinking maybe was 2009, I guess, if that was somewhere in there. Um, or may, I don't know. It's God. That seems like a long time ago. It does. I mean, maybe it was somewhere between 2009 and and uh, and I guess 2011. Um, the that book was called Widows Wear Stilettos, and her new book is called Happily Even After. A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. And again, this is for um, male widowers and uh, female widows. Um, and and, we'll, buy, and we're, we'll give you the, uh, in this last segment, of course, we'll tell you where you can get the book and her website and so on. And there's a lot more that you can find out um, from her website. You can, be, you can join um, and and obviously you can you can get some more answers to your to your individual questions. So um, we're talking about when happily ever after ends too soon, and uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I love it when we uh, you're such a great guest, Carol, because you know you really talk from the heart, and uh, and obviously you are very compassionate to people who are going through the tragedy that you went through. And uh, you're living proof that there can be a happily ever after, a new happily ever after. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm expecting the uh, <laughs> I'm expecting the break to come any minute now, <laughs> and then we'll be back um, with more about 
about how to get beyond um, the tragedy of losing your husband or wife. Um, well, I mentioned Kate Middleton, as I am wont to do very frequently these days. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that was that had to be taken into consideration in that marriage was, of course, William having lost his mother. It's not quite the same thing as, <laughs> in, in ample terms it is, but um, having lost his mother, Princess Diana, and having the courage to um, to love another woman and take the risk of losing her. So all of this, you know, there, there are a lot of psychological minefields, but they all can be crossed, can be successfully overcome. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and we'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. Without further ado, let me go to my guest, Carol Brody Fleet, um, talking about her new book, Happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. And if that story that she told about her Prince Charming wasn't enough to inspire you, who, that you can find your Prince or Princess Charming, um, you need to listen to this show again. <laughs> so, Carol, what are some of the things um, that people ask you a lot, you know, some of the most important questions that maybe we haven't touched on yet? Well, you know, really at the heart of any and all questions, and, you know, and it's important to point out that Happily Even After, it's the first book of its kind in the genre because it is a question and answer book. And every single question was written by an actual widow. And they mm. and either t- uh, to letters uh, through the website or they were submitted to me at speaking engagements and so forth. They are actual letters written by people who, who are walking the walk because so many widows tell me, I don't want to hear from somebody who hasn't been there. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not going to be receptive. So these are, this is really such a peer-based book, and there's nothing like it in the marketplace uh, today. The most common thing, at, at really at the heart of just about any question, whether it's emotional or money or, or dating or whatever, is, is it okay? Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I feel this way? Is it okay if I listen to my judgment? 
that's what, what everybody seems to be looking for. And I know I was, was permission. If, as, as silly as that sounds, they need somebody to say, it's okay. As long as you are not coping in a destructive manner, and destructive manner is more than just alcohol and drugs. Everybody thinks that those are the two only bad things to do, to cope. As long what are some as, of the other things, that, that um, com- most common things that you found? Compulsive shopping, hmm. compulsive gambling, compulsive sexual behavior, self-mutilation, hmm. uh, eating disorder, uh, of, uh, in either extreme. These are all destructive coping mechanisms. I've seen them all. And by the way, people, if any of you are suffering from any one or all of these behaviors, there's no shame in it, but it's not okay. You need to get to a mental health professional as soon as possible. They can help you find healthy ways of coping and help you leave your destructive behaviors behind. You cannot go on in a destructive manner if that is the path that you're going down. That is a very important takeaway today. You don't have to hurt yourself or hurt your future because of the grief that you have suffered in the past or are suffering right now. But you need help to do it. And you need professional, experienced help. There's no shame in asking for help. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, and of course, you could see where, well, I'm sure you have seen where people who are feeling guilty or people who are feeling hopeless um, you know, all these different kinds of emotions lead right into self-destruction, self-punishment. You Absolutely. know, you think you deserve to be punished because your spouse died. Absolutely. Or you just you feel like, what is the point in being here because they're not here anymore? Right. And I understand that feeling. Believe me, I do. But that is, it's kind of a... a, a that that is kind of a, again, it's that loss of purpose. You simply don't know yourself yet. You're not the same person post-widowhood, post-loss, that you are when you got married. It, you, you, it's impossible to go through that experience and be the same. So mm-hmm. being confused, trying to sort things out, that's normal. But hurting yourself is never going to be acceptable to me. And mm-hmm. I will do whatever it takes to get that, that message to people. And people, again, now you're compounding, you know, you've got the grief, you've got sorrow, now you've got shame and embarrassment. Look at how I'm coping. How can I tell somebody? And then, yeah. you again, welcome back the people that surround the widowed who might not be supportive or positive. And that really coalesces into a perfect storm. Yeah. And that's why we are Carol, let, let me stop you here because I want to make sure we have time to give out your website and to tell people where to buy the book and to uh, the, your camp. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the best place to start to find out all the information on everything is at widowsworthstilettos.com. Uh, the book, both books actually are available everywhere now. Um, happily, even after, you'll find it in all brick-and-mortar bookstores, independents, and chains. You'll also find it online at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all major book buying sites online. So basically, wherever you go that has books, you'll find Happily Even After. Same with Widows for Stilettos. Camp Widow, by, uh, which is, again, put on and sponsored by the Soaring Spirits Lost Foundation. We're very proud partners 
uh, with them in uh, in Camp Widow. And all of that information is at our website also is how you, how you can register and how you can attend as part of Widows for Stilettos and get a discount. There's so much going on, and all, all of that information is right at the website. It's right at and the what is the date for the camp? Uh, camp Widow West Coast is August 10th through 12th, and it is in San Diego, California. Okay, great. And, that's again, that's Widows Wear Stilettos, S-T-I-L-E-T-T-O-S, Widows, that's plural, WidowsWearStilettos.com. And um, and also you have people can join um, Widows Wear Stilettos, correct? That's correct. All you have to do is drop us an email, and the email addresses are on the website, and all you have to do is drop us an email. We'll add you to our database, and you'll be a member. There is never any fee or membership dues to be a part of Widows Wear Stilettos. We also have in-person peer-led support groups throughout the United States. All of that information is also at the website with, their, with that email address as well. And, again, there's never any fee or membership dues to attend a support group. All you need is a willing spirit and an open heart. Well, good. Um, I mean, and, and how many people usually come to the camp? You know, it, it, it depends. Well, the, the, uh, the East Coast camp was our inaugural camp, and I believe we had 150 people there. And by the way, guys, widowers are welcome too. We love to see our widowers at these camps. Uh, camp Widow West, this will be the, the fourth year that Camp Widow West Coast has been in existence. And last year, I think we had 300 people. I'll, oh my probably God. Get, I'll probably get slapped on the wrist uh, by my good friend Michelle Hernandez if I got that wrong. But, um, yeah, we do get a lot of people, and it's very important for us to also include that you don't have to have been technically married to attend. If you are a fiancé, if you lost your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you are from the LGBT community, we also welcome all of you with open arms. You need support, too. If you lost the person that you expected to spend the rest of your life with, you need to be a camp widow, and you certainly need to be a part of Widows for Stilettos as well. You know, I'm telling you that your next step is going to be... Um... <laughs> Is going to be, and I, I understand that this will depend upon what stage people are in who attend. But um, it just seems to me that that's the perfect place to have some some socializing, shall we say? Oh my the goodness! Opportunity for widows and widowers to meet. Well, you know what? I don't know if that will ever happen at Camp Widow because you have to understand that we also we welcome with people that have been widowed a matter of weeks, and they're not really in a dating place. So much. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we need to be sensitive and create that that safe haven rather than a mix and mingle kind of thing. But it's you know certainly something that we can talk about on down the line. <laughs> <laughs> it just I mean it, I guess like as a um, as an optional uh, add-on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, let me. Um, the book again is called. Uh, happily Even After, A Guide to Getting Through and Beyond the Grief of Widowhood. The first book was Widow, Widows Wear Stilettos. And really all you have to know, all you have to remember from this or write down, is widowswearstilettos.com. And again, that's S-T-I-L-E-T-T-O-S. Uh, well, Carol, it's been wonderful. I wish you all the best with this. This is obviously filling a need. And I, I guess part of the increase in the th- millions of people... Um, the statistics are, are amazing on this. Um, the 15 to 20 million widows in this country, 
and over a million of those under the age of 40. And I guess part of this increase um, in widowhood is, is due to the wars, right? Yes, that, that is a large part. And then, of course, the, you know, things like 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina, the tsunami, Oklahoma City, obviously that contributed to it. But also, you know, we as a population are living longer. So that yes. means that there are, there are more widows in the population, and we're just so thrilled that we can be here to serve the widow community. Yes, absolutely. Um, of course, you know, and I guess also it's interesting, there are widowers um, because of more widowers. Because, I mean, in other words, it's not just that men, uh, statistically men live longer than women, so there is going to be more, there are going to be more widows than widowers. But obviously with these, you know, 9-11 or, or with wars or uh, natural disasters, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, uh, respect those kinds of guidelines. Well, let me again thank my guest, Carol Brody Fleet. Again, her website is widowswearstilettos.com. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 